Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abel here with co-host Elias Randall. Eli, what's happening today? Middle of summer and it's really hot out, so it's good day to good day to film a podcast and and talk about some uh, financial independence and retiring early, otherwise known as the fire movement. Which that makes it's hot. We're talking about fire. I kind of like that. So before we get started, are you complaining about hot weather? Because um, you'll be complaining about cold weather in about six months. No. That's I not am not a complainer about hot weather. I really enjoy the hot weather nowadays. The older I get, the more I like it hot and the less I like it cold. Yeah, I, I get a kick out of the people who just complain about all the snow and ice. But then once it goes over 80, so hot outside. You know, you know yeah. the friend I'm referring to? Weather. I've had a friend like that. Weather. The, here's the thing, which I don't really think, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about things. I, I try to spend zero time thinking about things I can't control, and the weather's definitely one of those things, so I don't put a whole lot of thought into it. So we're today we're going to talk about what's referred to as the fire movement. I'm going to talk a little bit about what that actually is. But Elias, what I want to know is, do you actually know anybody who's done this? Only YouTube celebrities that I've seen their videos. I don't personally know anyone who's uh, made this a goal for themselves. So I, I got to tell you the most interesting thing about this is I knew this was on our agenda. And my, my last night, literally my last, my wife last night, we're sitting on our porch and she goes, I can't believe CNBC would even publish an article like this. There's a CNBC article about uh, the the title is early retiree says breaking these six society rule, rules helped him save one million dollars by age 35. And he retired at 35 with 900,000. I'm just going to set that up and we're going to talk about at the end of this lifestyle for a person retiring on nine hundred thousand dollars at age 35. And some of the things I think that are wrong with that. And my wife's not a financial person. And she's like. I can't even believe they published an article like this. Was it uh, was it kind of misleading, or why does she feel like she doesn't? Why they wouldn't well, publish it? Some of the reasons that this person gave, but I don't want to take all the the thunder and up front. Like you have to wait till the end, and I'll tell you why she really thought it was ridiculous that they published this article. The suspense. Okay. So let's let's before we get going, there's a lot of people who don't even know what the FIRE movement is, but FIRE actually stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And as you mentioned, this has been really, really dominated on YouTube because I think most people in general, what's our goal? No, I shouldn't say most people, but many people. I want to work the shortest period of time possible but get the most money, right? I mean, they do. Very I, few people. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying if, if someone said, hey, Elias, at 35 years old, here's your $3 million, do you think you could live on that and do you want to keep working? You you might say no. Say no to keep working? Yeah. Like everybody maybe. has a number. Yeah, I, maybe. I had this conversation with a friend of mine. This is like 10 years ago. He goes, well, what's your number? Like to not work. And I told him what my number was. He's like, mine's way lower. But I said, and the, the person at the time made a lot more money than I did, like 10x what I made. And his number was lower than mine. But I was thinking about the erosion of money over time and how if at 35 I retired, how long this money would have to last. Like 
if you retire at 35, it's 55 year retirement. So a lot, a lot of stuff can happen in 55 years. And he wasn't thinking about that. He's like, well, if I had this today and he's like, you know, actually, when you think about how you're talking, it's a little different. But the origins of the fire movement actually go all the way back to 1992, which I had no idea. And it was a book written by Vicki Robin and Joe Dominguez. Um, and they use this term in their book, your money, your life. The, the thing they talk about is that the fire movement isn't about being rich. It's just freeing yourself from like the nine to five job that you have to do. And that's what I've realized from a lot of the fire stuff. Their goal is not to be rich. Their goal is to just live their life how they want. And I don't know anybody personally who's done this, but I do have an example of something I thought was pretty cool and unique. I, the, the person who painted my house on a painting business in Marion and painted my house. And all of a sudden, like two years later, I'm seeing all these pictures of him and he's in the U S Virgin islands or St. Croix or somewhere. He up and moved his family at like 37 years old to the Virgin islands. He's a bartender. So now I don't know if he's a bartender or his own bar, but I think what happened is he may have got this business to the point where he could sell it for enough and said, you know what? This is how I want to live. If you think about it, life's finite. You don't get to do it over. Like it's finite. There's an end date. And I believe the people that are going in the fire direction, my opinion, they're looking at this, say, Hey, I have a certain period of time that, that I get to do what I want. And at that point, after that point, it is what it is. And we've talked with people and we've talked about more recently, what's the quality of life post age 70. It can still be good, but you're not doing the same things at 70 that you're doing when you're 40 and 50 and 60. Um, so I think it's just the first things generally set. Hey, fire stands for financial independence, retire early. It's not about being rich. It's really just, um, it's a movement to live life how you want to live. And it, and it really works. It's, it's really pretty simple like the concept simple right but the execution's not going to be simple because it's a kind of a two-part deal where you need you got to cut your cost and you have to save and we're not talking oh i do five percent because i get a five percent match that won't work you got to save like 50 to 75 percent of your income which we know everyone knows that'd be challenging to do for most people. And, and, and you're right. You're not, if you're setting out to do this, like you will reach financial independence. You're not going to become a very rich person or a very wealthy person. Um, but that obviously that, that wouldn't matter. That doesn't necessarily matter. Like some people, if you don't have to work and you can live frugally enough and maybe bartend on an Island or something and really enjoy your lifestyle, it's probably worth it. So the, the basic concept, typically you start working between 20 and 25, retire between 60 and 65. Um, this kind of is like an upside down approach or you're doing the opposite. You're really maximizing your savings for 15 to 20 years. And then I think the target retirement would be anywhere from 35 to 45 years old. So you're really adding on, we'll just call it 20 to 25 years of not having a career. I mean, I'm sure some people doing this have some kind of part-time work, 
right? But like, that's also, to me, that's more financial independence. I can tell you right now that, so I bartended in the past as a college age student. Bartending is a much less stressful career and job than what we do, right? Like if I had enough money to not work and I could maybe, well, I wouldn't just work at a bar, um, but I could be a bartender at a country club, serve serve all the regulars and all the golfers and help them mow and go play 18 every day. I could see myself enjoying that. So the, here's, but the thing that's going to be hard, it's the cost cutting and the maximizing the saving. And then the cost cutting is never going to stop. Like at some point you'll stop saving because you're not making enough income to sock it away. But the cost cutting is always going to be part of your life. Like you're certain parts of your life, you're just always going to be living cheap. You're not getting new cars. You're not no. taking fancy vacations. But I think one thing about the, the fire movement and the people, I believe that many of them just go where they want to live. I mean, you, there's a lot of places in the world that are beautiful that you can live for way less than the U.S., right? I mean, yeah. overseas places, you can live for less and live on not a lot. And I think a lot of the fire people are going there. But there's also, like, there's a lot of variations to the fire movement. I'm just going to hit on a couple of them. And the first one is the lean fire. And this is really just the minimalistic strategy for people – for people who are going to live just brutally frugal before and after they retire. And this takes me back to like some shows I watched. Do you ever watch the show alone? No. Okay. Well, I'm watching this season because, you know, I have to have something while I'm on the elliptical machine, but they drop these people off on like, so this year they're on reindeer Island in Northwest Saskatchewan. And they give the background on everybody. And there's a guy from Brazil and he's like, I haven't had running water or electricity in my entire life. Hmm. Yeah. And so they dropped him off in this island. He's like, well, this is just like normal life. I just haven't built out my like stuff here. And he moved to America. I, I would be crying. Elias, I'd say, take me back to my house, please. <laughs> he moved to America and he lives in a tree house. Like on public land? Or no, like he has his own land, he, but he, he built a tree like house. like an acre of land and just He's living a, off the land. Built a tree And house. there's a lot of these people. There's like, if, I don't know if you've watched like the homesteading shows. There's a lot of people who have a life that they really love and enjoy. That doesn't take a lot of money to do. So the lean fire is, hey, I'm a minimalist anyway. I can live off the land or I just don't need anything. And a lot, some people are that way. Me, I'm not that way. Like, I like nice things. I like experiences. I like to travel. But some people just don't care. I would so, imagine, and I would also imagine a minimalist, you probably kind of like tinkering around or projects. Right? Like, you got to provide your food at that point. So, I mean, I guess between a small food or maybe even a large garden and maybe like a chicken coop and a couple things like that, I mean, you could probably – sustain yourself and you're always going to have stuff to do, right? It's probably more about just instead of working to have money to go buy those things, you probably just, you're almost like a farmer essentially. Or well, something. I mean, you're off grid, you're off grid, but not, you may or may not be off grid, but you still have like modern essentials. You probably have enough money to have. So let's just say you're this minimalist person and you're living in, I don't know, anywhere. Let's just use Canada. You're like, I'm going to Canada. 
Well, you'd fish. You'd have a garden all summer long. You'd get fish. Like, you'd just prepare for the winter. People still do this, just like they did 150 years ago. It's the same way. You know, 150 years ago, none of this stuff existed. You had to grow it yourself, kill it yourself, do all the different things. So, Probably a fairly relaxing way to live, but maybe not the most challenging way to live. Oh, I, I actually think... I actually think with like the pressure of society, the the lean fire would be very hard to live. Yeah, like I think that would be difficult. Um, the second one's barista fire, and this is all sometimes referred to as financial independence, recreational employment. Um, so their goal is here: hey, I have this job that maybe I don't enjoy, but pays me enough money to get me where I want to go. So I'm going to save up enough money that I can not worry about my retirement and work the part-time job or even full-time job that I just love that may not pay a whole lot of money. So I think about this and I'm going to put myself into this role. Number one, I love what I do, but if I didn't, I do this for X amount of time. I then retire from the job and I go work at Shields or Gander Mountain or Cabela's or Bass Pro just talking about fishing and hunting all day, which I really love and I probably could do, or I'd sell boats or do like some, some odd job that I could do every day and never feel like I went to work, which fortunately I'm in the job that I don't really feel like I go to work. So I, I guess I'm already there. You would probably be, probably be a great boat salesman. I could see you really doing good at that. Dude, you know, what my sales trick would be, <laughs> what? well, you know, I'm not Lake of the Ozarks. We'd go for a test drive. I'd take the people, oh, let's take the boat for a drive. Where, where do your friends live? <laughs> and I'd drive them by. I'd have them drive in the boat, and I'd have them drive by. Because, you know, once their friends see them in their boat, what are they going to ask them? Did you get a new boat? Yeah. What are they going to say? Now no. you can't say no. I'm, I'm out for a joyride? No. That's I'd, awesome. I'd, just, I'd give them some possession. So that would be the barista fire. I think that's, like, a pretty cool one. I think that is probably pretty realistic for people to do if they really wanted to. Because a lot of people, if you think about the, the diligent savers, if you work till you're 45 and you really were diligent about saving and set yourself up for retirement, a lot of people could go take a different job that pays their current bills and is a lot less if they don't have to save that big chunk for retirement. And we, we work with a few younger families too that I don't know if it's technically fire but like they're it kind of is the barista fire because they're planning on retiring from their real career or whatever you want to call it like mid 50s and then continuing to work part-time to just cover day-to-day expenses so that that's maybe not that's kind of a version of that but this would probably be even earlier in life like mid 40s yeah calling it quits so there's another version called the coast fire and this requires you to have enough money invested or really saved even without adding more to your portfolio so that you can just kind of coast into retirement. And I think this is going to be a lot harder for people to do because it probably requires a lot more money. I mean, if you're just going to stop working and you're going to live like a normal lifestyle, you're going to have to save a lot. And then um, the last one's fat fire. And this is all about being able to afford the finer things in, in retirement, right? So this would be like, how I'd want to live in retirement. People really pursuing this goal will have to earn and save as much as possible so that they don't actually have to live frugally in retirement. And, you know, as we look at all these different fire kind of options, this one requires people to work the hardest and probably have the most jobs and most side hustles to make it work. 
Yeah. Because they want to have the finer things. This is the hardest one to do. Fat fire is the hardest one to do because you're saying I'm not going to sacrifice my quality of life. So how do people get there? Well, it could be I have my eight to five job making 80, 90, 100,000 a year. But then on the weekends, I do Uber and I do this. Maybe I deliver newspapers and I'm taking all this other money and I'm just stacking it up. Because if you think about most people, we, we don't. If you didn't have a family, Elias, because I, I think, you know, I value family time. But if you didn't have a family and you said, how do I make myself most productive? If you don't have hobbies or you want to retire early, you could go work a really good eight to five job, make a good wage. And when you're done working, you could go work another three or four hours every day, you know, the 30 hours a week. Well, at 20 bucks an hour, 600 bucks a week, 30, 40 grand a year. If you started taking 30, 40,000 a year from the time you're 25 plus the job you're making 70 grand at, you're saving half that paycheck. You start stacking up 60, 70, 80 grand a year. It's not going to take long to get there and be able to still enjoy really nice things later in life. But it won't happen if you're just working your eight to five job and you haven't tacked on a bunch of side hustles or other ways to make money. And maybe the side hustle is real estate. I think that's a common one. People could be working their job and build themselves into this like mini real estate empire. And now they have this cash flow. They're kind of retired, just managing the properties. So I think Fat Fire, if I, if I had to pick one that I was going to do, I'd be doing Fat Fire because I can't do the other ones. <laughs> Those are <laughs> off the table. Those are off the table. Even selling boats? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. The, you know what the problem with selling boats? So I worked at an outdoor shop in college, Elias. Here's the problem with working at the place where you really love the stuff you're selling. You spend all the money you make. <laughs> you owe more money at the end of the week than what you made. Yeah. So I think about the boat dealership. If I was selling boats, what would happen? I'd spend my paycheck times five on a new boat. <laughs> It'd take five years to break even at that job. So. All right. So let's. Okay, so we kind of laid out the different types of fire, the different things people are doing. Okay, so how do people get started? How do you actually do this? So I, I think in general, uh, if you're going to, I don't think going in blind is is a good way. Like I don't think this is an area where if you decide I really – want to pursue this, there's going to have to be some planning and then a high amount of execution of that plan as well. Like you're not just gonna, you're not gonna accidentally pull this off, right? You win the lottery, maybe accidentally pulled it off, but that's unrealistic. So I think, and I think some planning and going through a process of a financial planning process, which this is what this is what we specialize in. It's what we do all the time. Um, not necessarily helping people specifically looking for help with a goals around the fire movement, but it's all the same. If we're defining goals for families and is this a reasonable expectation? Can we facilitate this for you? Because no matter what the ages are, right, it's all conceptually a lot of it's all the same. It's the amount of money, it's the lifestyle, and it's your age, right? Those are kind of the basic things that get us on the right path to start answering the questions. Now, some of the challenges 
I think, and we're going to get into more of the blind spots and the challenges, but I think at minimum you really need to consider with this type of, with this type of goal would be your basic living expenses. Um, so it's not, it's going to be a little bit more than like a traditional financial plan where I think if you are doing, cause I tell people a lot, you know, if you're really doing the right things, your budget is important. You should understand how you're directing your money, but it doesn't really need to be down to the penny. I think if you're going to be in the fire movement, I, you're probably going to want a, a budget on a spreadsheet and really, really understand your spending and how that's going to change over time with inflation. Um, in addition to how you're invested too, I feel like, you know, a lot of people as they transition into retirement, they want to be more conservative with their money, right? Like that's a pretty normal thing. I think if you're retiring at 45 and you have a million dollars, you might be required to maybe take a little, depending on life's on what you need, you might be required to be a little more, um, have an asset allocation that's maybe a little more regress aggressive than a tr traditional retired person. And that's going to take some thought. It's not going to be, uh, you're not just going to throw darts and, and figure out how to navigate that. Well, Elias, you mentioned like the blind spots. And I think, remember the article I mentioned? This is where my wife thought it was ridiculous because this person who had retired hadn't taken into account the blind spots. And these are really like the scenarios that could happen that you're not thinking about because everybody thinks about, you know, retirement and money and income in a linear fashion. So when someone says, well, I have a million dollars saved, I make 5% a year, I could spend 50,000. Well, yeah, you could, but are you going to get a 5% rate of return every year? People always think about averages. They're not really thinking about the bad stuff that, that, that could happen. So when I think about the fire movement, it's not just planning for, this is how much I need to live on. How am I going to plan for the unexpected that I don't even know what's going to happen yet? Right. So let's just kind of walk through, you know, some of the unexpected. And, you know, the, it goes back to planning like this can all be planned away. It's why we work off a financial plan. Somebody came to us and said, hey, this is my goal. We could start laying out the steps to actually kind of hit that goal. But if we think about some of the unexpected, we clearly have to, like, determine our projected expenses and all those different things. But here's the things that you kind of like have to stress test. So if you think about um, our financial plan, we stress test things. We're testing for the unexpected. But first, what if you have an emergency, you can't say what you anticipated, or you're spending more than you thought you might need to? Like, you're, what's the emergency? You gotta figure like, that out. Everybody can be on this track, but what happens if you get sick and you have to take half a year off of work? or your medical bills are $50,000. Like nobody's thought about that. And I'm talking like even pre-fire. Like you say, hey, I'm retiring at 35 and saving half my check. Well, something unexpected might happen. You might have to work an extra year or two to make that work. But then you also have to plan for in retirement, how am I gonna battle this? Because we talk about with people a lot, Elias, if you make a money mistake, before you retire. And let's just use typical retirement age of 65 for somebody. If you make a retirement mistake before before 65, you've got a chance to fix it. Yes. You typically can go back to work, work a little longer. You could, a lot of different things. 
Well, if you retire at 35, you have to go like 55 years without making a money mistake. That's pretty challenging. Like, and if you make a money mistake once you retire, guess what you're doing? Unretiring more than likely if you're 35 years old. Some, yeah, there's, you're going to have to make adjustments. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think the whole thing with the fire movement and planning for the unexpected is you have to put in a lot of front end work and then you're going to have to keep working really hard to manage this as things come up. I mean, I think for someone to have to, to be good at the fire movement, they can't be a plan A person. And what I mean by plan A person is this is what I'm going to do. And I haven't thought through plan B, C, and D. And I know myself, I'm a plan C and D person. Like this is my plan. If it doesn't work, I know where I'm going to pivot plan B. If that doesn't work here, C and D, it's almost like playing pool. Have you ever played, played with a good pool player? Yeah. How many shots ahead are they thinking? A lot more than I am. I know that. Probably least, two or three. Well, four, maybe. I think they're really good pool players. And the really good pool players are playing nine ball, right? They're not playing eight ball. They're playing yeah. nine ball. They're thinking eight shots ahead. They're thinking to the nine ball. They they can look at that table. And I play a lot of pool. I can think like two shots ahead, maybe three. But I play with some really good people. They really? know exactly when they hit the first ball where they need to leave the first ball to be set up in position on the last one. And if I play pool, I'm just hoping the ball goes in the hole. Well, but think about it. That's really what a person doing fire movement needs to do. They can't be looking at, Hey, I'm going to save a million dollars and get to 35 and call it quits. They've got to be thinking about when they're 75, how are they going to pay for long-term care? How are they going to pay for their medical? All these different things that are going to happen. Otherwise they're going back to work. You don't, you just live in your tree house. So that, you know, that brings up a good point and just I'm kind of thinking through this and you will in order to execute it and especially to have kind of a like to me all the things I'm thinking about as we talk through this it almost makes if this almost makes everything we talk about even more important like an emergency fund if you're going to execute some sort of retire early plan well what's one way that you cannot make a money mistake is to have a well-funded emergency fund, which if you're, I feel like if you're in one of these situations, that's going to have to be very defined. And then, you know, you're talking about, well, plan A and B. So plan A is right, the fire. Financial independence, retire early. Well, you're going to have to get very committed to that. There should be some thought about where to pivot Right. But sometimes one of the best ways to accomplish something um, I've, is, well, there's no plan B. This is plan A for me. I'm just going to do it. I don't know that you would. I think if you need to focus on it that way, but you also need to, like you were saying, have some things in mind. If something comes up, you're going to have to make some adjustments. And then I think the reality, you're probably going to be delaying some life milestones. Um I think if you, uh, I think to execute this and then also have a family, that's going to be very challenging. Um, kids cost money, right? We all know, everyone listening to the show knows kids cost money. You don't know, here's what I told after we had our first and now we have three. 
I told everyone, you don't know that you can afford two houses, but you really could. After you have your first kid, you're like, oh, I could have probably just bought another house. Um, missing, I'm not saying that's what you should do, but uh, you're going to probably have to miss out on some experiences with family and friends. Well, why is that? Well, if you're saving 50 to 75% of your income and Bert Kreischer's coming to town to play at the, at the local arena, I mean, are you going to spring for a ticket if it's not – in the budget and you really want to do this i mean probably not um well in elias i would guess that people who are committed to this you're not going to see them in a restaurant they're not going to happy hour with their friends like they're just hunkered down because it's the only way to do it unless you just have this massive income right it's one of two th- yeah it's that's it you're either going to be very frugal or and i don't know you're going to make a nice income but even at that like you're gonna make all this money and not enjoy some of the finer things in life as you go um but if this is what you're committed to that's what you would do and then i think working working a lot and it's probably going to depend on the career right like if you just if you have a nine to five where working more doesn't really lead to any more benefit then you're probably going to be waiting tables um, driving Uber, delivering groceries, just whatever, whatever it is. Now, um, if you're in a sales job or something, cause there are careers, right. Where just putting more effort into that career can have a bigger payoff than going to work part time. But probably the reality is, is the 40 hour work week, that's probably out the window for you, right? Like if you're going to make enough money to save it at that rate, you're probably working 60 plus hours well, and every week. You know what? That that reminds me of something you said. I think you told me this the other day. If you're working, you're not spending. Is that you that told me that? Like, I don't think it. I said that, but then I, I saw it somewhere, I but it's a really but good yeah, insight. Yeah, that's true too. That's how you distract yourself from right. spending your money. If you're working 70 hours a week to do the fire movement, you're not going to have time for a happy hour and to get online and go shopping. Like You're working and you're going to bed. Like you forewent all that stuff. But let me tell you, like, uh, so you got this period of time where you have to get there, right? But here's what I think the biggest risk of this fire movement is for people. And I think getting there is easier than staying there. And here's why. We talk about the danger of sequence of returns a lot. And when I say sequence of returns, I'm really talking about, you know, the sequence in which we get investment returns, because I mentioned earlier, investment returns aren't linear. You know, I can look at something that says, well, it averaged 8% a year, but the way it got to 8% was not eight, 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 eight every year. It was up 15, down three, up nine, up six, up 12, down 20 to get this average 8% rate of return. And I've got a, I've actually got a slide here. So if you're watching, you're going to see it. But if you're listening, there's a link in the description uh, of the to this to this slide. But I'm going to lay it out for people. And we've used this slide for, I don't know, like probably 15 years because it's just one of the best slides I've ever seen. But it's two individuals, Mr. Smith and Miss Jones. Okay, and I'm going to set the parameters here. They each retire with five hundred thousand dollars. They each have a portfolio, Elias, that's 60% bonds or 60% stock, 40% bonds. 
They're each taking out 25000 per year, so about 5%. Mr. Smith retired in uh, January 1st, 1966. Miss Jones retired January 1st, 1976. Miss Jones averaged 14% a year. Mr. Smith averaged 13.5% a year. Okay? One person has $1.5 million. The other person has zero zero dollars by 1983 so that's 17 years so virtually the same rate of return same portfolio same stock to bond mix same amount of money same withdrawals the only thing different is one person retired in a different year mr smith ran out of money in 17 years miss jones had 1.5 million now, let me read the returns the first five years of retirement. Mr. Smith, first year, lost 5.3. Miss Jones was up 20.9%. There you go. The second year, Mr. Smith was up 12.8. Miss Jones was down five. Third year, Mr. Smith was up seven. Miss Jones up two. Fourth year, Mr. Smith lost eight. Miss Jones up nine. Fifth year, Mr. Smith up nine, Miss Jones up 15. The only difference here, Elias, Miss Jones made 20% the first year, Mr. Smith lost five. And this is, this is very relevant over the last two years. If you were someone who for the last 15 years was socking away all this money and now whatever goal you set, okay, I need 2 million by 45, I'm pulling the trigger, that's gonna be in um, 2022. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think any of the people doing the fire movement have met with a financial planner. They, you don't think so? No. I think they're winging it. Is it you? Is well, it, here's why. Is it if, financial advice via YouTube? Let me ask you a question. Mr. Smith, let's just double the numbers. So he had a million dollars. He took out 50000 a year. So right here, this guy who retired at 35 with 900000 What's he going to do in 17 years if he doesn't get the right sequence of returns? Because there's no way he's only pulling 3% out of the account. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. There's only got to be a, you either got to push the savings so hard that then you can like have enough fixed income investments for three to five years and then the rest. But the problem with fixed income, it's not going to beat inflation. So here's what all these guys have I done. Know. Elias, here's what they've done. They take a million dollars. Well, I'm going to make 8% a year in the stock market. So that's $80,000 a year. I'll be okay. None of them. There's no way. It doesn't, unless you're going to live on like less than 3% of the total account value, which if someone has a million dollars, and this is the reason my wife thought this was ridiculous. The guy's got $900,000. So she goes, well, what could he take out? And like, you know, not have a very high likelihood he's not going to run out of money. I'm like at 35, probably three, max 4%. So she goes 27,000 to 36,000. That's like the poverty level. Yeah, but I if mean, you're, but right. But if you're a minimalist and like everything's paid for, I don't know. No, they're going back to work. I think, I think I this know. is a YouTube deal to get clicks. I think there's some people who are doing this, but a lot of these people, they're going back to work. And who wants to live on three, three who wants to live in $2,500 a month for 55 years? 
What happens no when more. you have, so Elias, let me ask you a question. What happens when you have the expense, you got 900,000 and something bad happens. You haven't been in the workforce for 10 years. Something bad happens. Oh, we're going back to work. What kind of a job are you going to get? I think most of this has not been like thought through. So I think the biggest blind spot people are not thinking about here. I think what they're doing, Elias, they're pulling up a spreadsheet, mapping it out. And they're doing a lot of the good like front end work. It's all the things they haven't really thought about through this movement. And listen, I'm all for people trying to retire early. You just got to think about all of the things that could happen. And that's why, you know, we talked about the different, like, the different plans. I mean, if I was doing fire, I'd be looking at doing the, like, I would, in the back of my mind, being I'm doing barista fire. Right? I'm going to have some part-time job to supplement this thing. And I think if we talk to most people who, I mean, if someone came here at 35 with a million bucks and asked if they could retire... I doubt very many of them are going to tell me they spend two thousand dollars a month. Their I'd, cell phone bill is one hundred and twenty. Yeah, Internet's shocked. eighty. They got to eat. So, I think people should be thinking about sequence of returns as one of the biggest, the biggest blind spots of this whole kind of movement. Yeah, it it definitely is. And then you know another. And it's not just this next blind spot, inflation risk. It's a little bit of, okay, inflation's always going to be around, but it's also the, it gets, the problem becomes a little bit bigger because of the length of time you're planning on living on this money. And just the example we have here, say you retired this year, 2023, you're spending and taking out of your accounts $5,000 per month. If you just assume two and a half percent inflation, which would be, a, that would be a reasonable inflation target to assume in 20 years, that five, your 5,000 of purchasing power is now just over $3,000. So your spending and purchasing to maintain lifestyle would have to go up to 8,100 to have the same lifestyle you did 20 years ago. And then 40 years later, that number goes up to 13,400. So between taking money out, the sequence of your returns, and then inflation, and I get how, so, okay, it's inflation impacts like certain parts of our life, right? Like the expenses, but we all, you're always going to have that. I mean, you can be as minimalist as you want. I mean, I guess if you're just going to be like a recluse and live in a treehouse like that guy and like never do anything, that's one thing. But if you're doing any, I don't think people are retiring early to live a lifestyle like that. You did that because you wanted to enjoy the things you like to do. Well, even if money, right. Even if you're a minimalist, that's basically a farmer and you're like producing all this stuff. Well, your input costs are going to go up over time. I mean, you're, and then, Do you have any livestock or any chickens to provide food? There, that cost is going up. So, uh, Elias, what you just said about farming—like, well, yeah, I'm going to produce some food for myself. Yeah, but, but farming's input, not free. But listen, input costs go up. So then, what do they start doing? Well, now I'm just going to sell a little bit, right? So have now, you? I got to ask selling, you. Now I'm selling farm fresh eggs so I can feed the chickens. I want 
people who have you ever watched South Park? I've seen it, but probably not the episode you're talking okay, about. Okay, so there's an episode where Cartman inherits like a million dollars. And Cartman's the little like pudgy I, guy. I know the characters. You know the episode I'm talking about? No, but I know all the characters. Okay, so Cartman inherits a million bucks. Then he's like, you know, a little kid, so he thinks he's set. So he spends the million dollars to buy an amusement park, like this failing amusement park, because he doesn't want to have to wait in line for the rides. That's so he's like, great. I love that reason to buy a, an amusement park. Let me tell you what happens. About a day in, something breaks down. So they're like, well, you're going to have to hire someone to service it. There's no money left. Well, he said, well, I can, I can let five people in today. I can only let five people in. And there's a line of like 500 people in. And he's like, I can only let five people in today. Because he's letting, now he has to let enough people in to cover the cost. By the time it's all said and done, because he'd limited how much people could come in and what the expenses were to keep it running, you know, because he has to pay for insurance and cleaning, he ends up giving it back to the person he bought it from because he has to wait in line even longer because he created all this demand. But he turned his hobby into this like massive job. And that's what could happen with the farmer. Think about it. Like, yeah. well, yeah, I got to sell, I got to go to the farmer's market now. People really want my product and it costs me to go to the farmer's market. So I got to grow a little bit more. And pretty soon you're just going back to work because of inflation. Right. And maybe I, just, I don't know, maybe I haven't spent enough time thinking through it. I just don't know of a lifestyle where you're going to like, you're never going to um, fully insulate yourself from inflation and cost of doing things. Okay. So. so I think this is the biggest thing that two things here age limitation. So let's think about how do most people accumulate their money, Elias, for retirement? What vehicle do they use? 401k. Okay. 401k. At 35, how are you going to access your 401k? Yeah, all this money has to be in a non, non-retirement non account. So you got non, so you have zero tax benefit to your dollars. It has to be in a non-retirement, so it means you paid tax on it. You're paying tax on all the interest. So the guy who's got 900000 saved, taking out thirty grand a year, well, if it's all like, let's say you bought a CD. He said 900000 he bought a 5% per year CD. Well, guess what? That 45000 is all taxable. Yeah. Like, they haven't even thought about the tax burden. So age limitations play a bigger part. And as we were talking about this, the one thing I thought about, which is ironic, the closer you get to mortality, the easier this becomes. Like if someone came to me at 55 and said, hey, I want to I want to be financially independent, retire early, which that is the probability of it working out for a 55 year old versus a 45 year old is much more likely. Yeah, OK, I get be what you're because saying. two things happen. There's less time for unexpected one, but two are closer to mortality. So the inflation risk is less. The overspending risk is less. All the things become less because we've talked about it. Once you hit 75, how much money do you really need to spend? Yeah, right. And I wonder, so I, I wonder what the education is. And I wonder people that are pursuing fire, if they even utilize reti retirement accounts. I mean, I could just sitting here talking about this. I mean, okay, we know you're going to live off the money the rest of your life. Even if you retire between 35 and 45, I can probably make a very strong argument that like a Roth IRA is a really good idea 
in your early years, you're not like it's not going to be available without penalty until 59 and a half. But from like a planning perspective, okay, you know, you can't touch this. So this one needs to be your aggressive account, right? Maybe you can overcome some inflation because you get the tax free growth. It's going to be tax free distributions at that time. But again, it's not just I'm going to sock away 50% of my income into an investment account. Like there's a little more, there's got to be a little more strategy and things. And here's, here's the, to it. He, he, before we talk about if this is actually possible for people, which in my mind, I have some doubts. The other big thing that I don't think people are actually thinking about is healthcare expenses. You're going to be carrying your own health insurance. If you did this at 35 for the rest of your life, I, and, I bet a lot of I bet a lot of people try and go uninsured when they do this. Yeah, and then guess what happens? The first time they have a vet for fifty grand, they're going back to work. So once again, they haven't thought through healthcare expenses. What's it going to cost? And yep, if you make under a certain amount of money, you probably qualify to get some credits for like the Affordable Care Act. But most of those plans, you're not going to get a reasonable deductible that if you're making thirty thousand a year of income, you can handle a five or eight thousand dollar out of pocket. Like they haven't thought about this. So that really begs a question. Do we actually think this is possible for people to accomplish Elias? It is. So the answer is yes, it is possible with the proper planning. So then it begs the question, is it actually worth it? Is fire worth it to try and do? And I think that if you set a spreadsheet up and you put it on paper, it all looks like it's going to work out. Because people don't take into account all the blind spots that are out there. They're, they're not even thinking about it. They're not thinking about taxes. There might be some people that are, but I'll bet the people that really put a ton of effort into this have figured out they're going to need a lot more money than they think they need. And I, I guarantee yeah. you they've thought about that. And what I see the fire movement as isn't, Hey, I got to get to retirement at 35. It's okay. Maybe it's 55, but I don't consider 55 fire. I consider no. 55 early retirement. I mean, I guess financial independence retire early, but if you went out and pulled people out there said, what age is the average average age of somebody retiring? That's doing the fire movement. They're going to tell you 35 or 40. Most people, it's going to be extremely difficult for this to actually work out. And if you haven't sat down and crafted just an incredible financial plan, I mean, not like broad strokes. Well, I think I spend 3000 a month. Like you better know to the dollar and you're going to have to make some assumptions as to changes in the future, right? We don't know what health insurance is going to be. It could be three times as much. Well, if health insurance is three times as much, how, how do I pay for it? Like, what's the plan? If I have, if I'm going to be uninsured, which in my mind is crazy, but people do it. If I'm going to be uninsured and I have an accident that costs $150,000, how am I going to pay for it? So I think that's what makes fire so hard. And then you have to worry, are, are the sacrifices actually worth it? Like are the sacrifices worth it? Or maybe you just enjoy life a little bit more and work 10 years longer. In my mind, I'd rather work a little longer than sacrifice all this to just shut it down. 
Yeah, or I'd I, find a different job that I can have this happy medium that, hey, you know what? Maybe I can live in Florida for three months a year and find a job where I can work nine months a year in the cold. I don't know. And the, the, Yeah, there probably is a – yeah, there's probably a middle ground or financial independence, retire regular way to do it <laughs> instead of retire early. Retire regular. I love which, it. Which – so in, in the can scenario, we coin that our new fire phrase for this office? Yeah, financial, financial independence, retire regular. regular. We should start what's a YouTube that, channel about what's that. What's that fur? F I R R, retire regular. It's the fur, it's the fur fi- movement. It's just fire without an e. It's fur. <laughs> I, I think the middle ground, or as I just coined, the financial independence, retire regular, is like: is there a balance? Is there a balance, and is there a way to? save your money to be financially independent and and there is and i think there can be it's all delayed gratification there's some amount of sacrifice but i think the reality is is even if if, if fires for you we talked a lot about how that can work but if if you're more of the the middle ground okay it's going to be more than i put in 3% because i get a 3% match right like you're going to have to save 10, 15, 20% of your income. If you start early enough, maybe 10 will be enough. Um, but, but there's going to be, there's going to be a balance, right? And saving and investing is going to be a priority. And then I think in addition to that with, cause I've been talking certainly with younger people about this a lot the last couple of years, because everyone wants the, everyone wants like the lotto ticket and crypto and individual stocks and all this. Well, there's a middle ground there too of just just buy a quality portfolio. Oh, well, and people ask, like I have people younger than 40 all the time, what do you think the market's gonna do this year? It's irrelevant for you at this age. It doesn't matter, keep buying, reinvest your dividends. I mean, you can't show me, you can't show me a period in history, whether it's just S&P 500 or some good mutual funds that if you bought them and held them, things didn't work out good. Well, I think in conclusion, a couple of takeaways I, I kind of have from this is one, if you're interested in fire movement and not fur, but fire, we're going to retire early. Yeah. Ask yourself why you want to do that. What's your purpose? Because I almost think about this, Elias, when we talk with individuals about going into retirement, you've got the not or the financial aspects, which is everything that we talked about today was purely financial. What are the non-financial? Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I'll be honest. If I didn't work, what am I going to do every day? Like, I know it sounds great that I'm just going to go hang out at the beach and just, you know, live in a tiki hut or whatever. Trust me, over time, that's going to wear off. You got to have some purpose. You can only do that for so long and then you're bored. I I truly believe that a lot of people who are doing the fire are probably going to go back to work. At, at some, if you retire at 35, you're going to go back and do some type of work. And maybe it's not because you have to. I think it will be because you have to. But you're going to want to do something. So I think I'd like to know the statistics on how many people are just saying, I want to ditch the eight to five job that I hate and go do something I love. And they're calling that the fire moon. Like, hey, save enough money so I can do what I love. I'm all for that. Right. Because if you could, if you could set in, that's more realistic. Well, think about it. If you could set yourself up, you go say 40, 50% of your check from the time you're 22 years old till the time you're 40. And you say at 40, I'm doing what I love. 
I may make 75% less, but it's enough to just supplement what I'm doing. I've got retirement. I don't have to save for anymore because I kick butt. I'm just going to make enough to cover my everyday living expenses. And if you're, you know, living lean and you're frugal, how much is that going to be? Not a whole lot. It could be bartending in the Caribbean, which actually sounds pretty phenomenal, although I'm not a bartender. It sounds kind of fun. I think that's probably way more realistic for people is, hey, how do I just get to a point where I can live the life I want to live? But maybe find some type of employment that revolves around that. If anybody's out there looking to do the fire movement, I'd highly recommend that you consult with some financial advisor who can help you craft this plan because you're going to need a better financial plan than most people if you're going to really execute this and make it work. And what the advisors can do is they can really help like bring to light some of the blind spots, the pitfalls that are actually out there that you're going to need to figure out how to avoid or how to navigate them or what's plan B, C, and D. Uh, with that said, if anybody's looking for help, you can reach out to us at btwellshow.com. You can also find out more information about the sequence of returns on our website. We talked about that chart. Until next week, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you have a great week. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.